Hi, I'm Sergio. And I'm Alex. And this is the IPHO Podcast. Each episode, we'll be hosting professionals with diverse backgrounds from across the industry. We have two goals, to bring you timely, relevant insights from across the healthcare landscape and information that can help support your professional growth. What non-traditional career opportunities exist for pharmacists, and how can I stand out from other candidates? How is COVID impacting the way we develop medications and support patients? What social inequalities exist within the biopharmaceutical industry, and what are companies doing about it? So whether you're a pharmacy student interested in learning more about fellowships or in pursuing a direct career in industry, a current or former fellow trying to figure out your next step, or just interested in a distraction from your workout, we've got you covered. And remember, the views and opinions we and our guests express on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers. This episode is brought to you by Rev Health LLC, which is an independently owned, full-service healthcare communications agency that specializes in marketing healthcare products with a special focus on pharmaceuticals. Check out more information for this fellowship in the description. Use the online IPHO Fellow Match service to apply. Applications close January 31st, 2022. We're joined now by Ornisha Watson, who's a current postdoctoral fellow in worldwide scientific content and U.S. market capabilities with BMS. Ornisha, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much, Sergio. Very nice to be here. So maybe you can give our listeners a little bit of a background about where you currently are, where you're doing your fellowship, um, and where you did your PharmD, and what led you to pursue a, a fellowship. Sure. So currently, as you mentioned, I'm a second-year fellow with BMS, Bristol-Myers Squibb, and I'm in the HEOR publications um, department for the second year. The first year I spent in the Worldwide Scientific Content and U.S. Market Capabilities team. Um I am originally from Jamaica. I, you know, I migrated here to go to college, started out as intending to go to pharmacy school, did not do that, got in, didn't go. Ten years later, I decided to go to pharmacy school. So <laughs> it is pretty, pretty, um, I like to call it the scenic route. But ultimately, I started my career in international relations, worked with the UN for about three years. I was doing a lot of work around women's and children's health and really wanted to have a more direct um, impact in the health space. So that's what led me to going back to school and going to pharmacy school. Um, while I was in pharmacy school, I had no intention of pursuing a fellowship because I just wanted to get it done and get back to work. <laughs> but as I learned more about the industry space, I realized that it aligned really well with my professional goals in terms of making an impact globally and really being able to impact the public health space. And so um, I spoke to several different folks in managed care and um, industry. I did rotations with Pfizer and really got a sneak peek into the industry space. Also did a rotation at the CDC, which opened my eyes to the role that pharmacists could play in public health. So that was pretty exciting. And so decided that, you know, based on the advice that these different folks that I spoke with said, you know, the, the most direct route um, I was told was fellowship. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to extend this, you know, quasi student role a little bit longer because in my head, a fellow was kind of an extension of school. Quickly realized that that's not the case, but that's pretty much what um, led me to pursuing the fellowship um, in order to get more of a direct route into pharma, 
which I wanted to transition into a role in public health. That's amazing. And I think it's such a great case study for our listeners and folks who may be candidates right now who um, are worried about what what do I do if I don't get a fellowship? And we've already kind of like jumped way ahead through the, the mid-year process to, you know, the, the folks who will not get a fellowship offer at the end of it. And I think you know, what I took away in listening to your answer there was um, don't be afraid to go out there and do something really interesting and different and try to have an impact like that work with the UN sounds really interesting. And I'm sure that it helps you in what you're doing today. Oh, it most certainly does. I, I think one of the coolest thing has been um, really turning my fellowship opportunity into something that combines the the um, passion for giving back to people, for really um, providing access to medications for people who didn't, which is kind of what led me to going into pharmacy and being able to apply all the different skill sets that I'm learning in the fellowship. Um, but, you know, the, the wonderful thing that I've realized while being um, a year plus into the fellowship is that half of the pharmacists that I've met did not do a fellowship <laughs> and, and literally made it into industry in different ways. So I think that's one thing I'd love for um, listeners to take away that, you know, a fellowship is wonderful, but it's not the end at all in terms of industry, if that's your end goal. And I've met so many people with various backgrounds, whether they started out through like a um, medical writing agency or a contractor role or they, um, you know, did some time in retail or in um, hospital setting and then transitioned in. And one thing that I realized is that the clinical and retail experience is really valued in the industry um, uh, world, co- contrary to what you hear as a student. So very, um, very good awakening moment for me, in fact, being in, <laughs> in the industry setting now. This episode is brought to you by Northeastern University, which is a global experiential research university built on a tradition of engagement with the world, creating a distinctive approach to education and research. At Northeastern, students are encouraged to become engaged, confident, and resourceful global citizens who realize their knowledge and actions have a far-reaching impact. The Northeastern University Fellowship Program provides a dynamic academic environment, offering fellows the opportunity for a wide breadth of experiences. Be sure to check out their info in the link in the episode description. Yeah, I, I, I had a conversation today with a student where they said, well, I don't know if I want to go into fellowship or residency. And I had a similar experience. Um, and what I said was along the lines of what you just said, which is clinical experience is always valued. If, you, if you're dead set on a fellowship and you know that's what you want to do, go for it. It does. If you don't get it, like you said, there's a ton of options, and we've we've tried to emphasize this in previous episodes. It's not the end all be all. There are not enough positions for the talented people who apply for them. But when someone goes into residency, if they determine a, a nice part of that is, like you said, it's not it's not an extension of school necessarily, but you are in a position where you're expected to continue learning. So when you are in that position, you may learn that that's not where you want to be, and you may want to take a different route. But you you said you. 10 years prior, maybe you declined mm-hmm. entry to pharmacy school. Yeah. <laughs> got life experience. Um, you mentioned while we were talking that you, uh, that you had a child and you're, and you're in fellowship with, uh, you said your daughter. Um, can we talk about that a little bit? Because it's, it's really, um, I can't imagine, I, I have two kids now and I can't imagine how, how much time 
<laughs> how challenging it is to have a, a child while in fellowship. How how have you been managing? Because um, because there's there's people who, without all that responsibility, feel overwhelmed. How have you been managing? What do you do to to balance your time as well and make sure your daughter gets the focus as well as your career? Thank you. I mean that's. It's such a loaded question, but it's a great one. And I want to share that because I've met several pharmacy students who are parents and do worry about the ability to balance both worlds. And the one thing I'll say, too, is um, starting completely virtual and I've remained virtual the entire time since I've been a fellow has actually been a blessing in disguise for me being a mom because during that time, um, my daughter was out as well. So she was completely virtual my first full year of fellowship. So it was a, a, a learning curve for both of us. And, you know, there were times when she needed help with, you know, navigating their um, their platform and I'm in the middle of a meeting or she's like, oh, hi, is that Amber? I really like Amber. Say hello in the middle of, you know, a semi-important presentation, but it's okay. <laughs> I have to say hello to Amber. So there have been a lot of different moments and a huge learning curve. But I think being able to um, to be here with her this year, I think, was a blessing, especially because pharmacy school itself was so demanding. And in while I was in pharmacy school, it was much harder to be as hands-on and, and be there in that kind of way. So I, I've really loved that, that opportunity. And, you know, I, I think it probably reinforces the importance of finding a company that's understanding. I know I've had my toddler pop in on meetings all the time. Um, Alex, I know you have as well. I have to share, and you can edit this out if you want to. Uh, <laughs> last week, my four-year-old knew that I was on a call, an important call, and I asked him to please don't come bursting through the door, but it was just me home. So if there's an emergency, please come in. He comes running in. My microphone's out. My microphone's right here. He can walk right up to it. And he comes running in. He goes, Dad, it's an emergency. I need to poop. <laughs> <laughs> and this is real life. That's why I share it. Yeah. Like, like I said, you can edit this out, but I share it because this is real life. And you have to have people who understand that you're still yeah. living and you still have responsibilities. So it's so important, I think, to, to have a company where you, know, you have a, a team that's understanding of of all of that. I know you also recently were on a panel for, for IPHO, you know, a discussion on mental fortitude through the pandemic. Um, and, you know, I know how much of an advocate you are for the recent social justice movements and Black Lives Matter movement. And I wonder, you know, if you can explain for our listeners how you went about finding through the application process, a company that shared your values where you felt like you could be your true self. It's such an important um, piece, and it's something that I encourage students and anyone listening to really take into consideration, finding somewhere that will will be a good fit. I, I didn't, I can tell you, when I went to mid-year, I intended to apply to about six positions. And um, BMS, I, I had, I think, one or two of the positions at BMS listed for fellowship. And I walked into the arena. At that time, it was still um, in person. 
And I looked around and I saw different groups of fellows with their um, different companies. And I looked over at one of my friends was sitting next to me and I looked over and I'm like, which company is that? Because it was the, it stood out in the fact that there were fellows of all different color across the rainbow. There were, And it wasn't just like one or two black fellows. Cause as a black woman, I'm used to being like one or maybe there's another person of color in the group, but it's like maybe one of us of 20. So when I saw like five or six, among, you know, 10 or 12 fellows standing together from the same company, I was very intrigued, like, which company is this? And they said, oh, it's BMS. And I started looking through the brochure, I'm like, I kid you not, to see if there were other positions that aligned with my interests from BMS for that reason. And one of the things that I've been really impressed by is that my first year, all the way up to the senior um, VP level were women leaders. And that was really important to see. And I, I just, I love the fact that it's a company that you, they put their money where their mouth is. And you can read all about the um, the commitments they made uh, from the company, $150 million um, commitment to uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives. And I'll tell you more about that if you want, but I, I ended up doing a stretch project with the BMS Foundation because of the um, work they're doing in diversity in clinical trials and really improving that space. So it's been exciting to be a part of a company that aligns with your values. I think you really have to look at those things as well as you interview these companies and these positions that you're going up for. Take note, uh, corporate decision makers and hiring managers, these things matter if you want to bring talent to your organizations. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Barringer Ingelheim. As the largest privately held pharmaceutical company, Barringer Ingelheim is focused on science that leads to healthier lives for their patients and families. Check out the various functional areas for fellowships in the brochure located in the description. I, I know there's a lot of initiatives around the industry when you mentioned clinical trials, but recruiting clinical trials to map the population you're treating. Historically, uh, there's an overrepresentation of Caucasian subjects, and you want to see data in the population in which you're planning on treating. It's 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 extremely important. But you you're referring to uh, the importance of diversity within an organization and finding the right company for you and. Something we heard from a guest we had recently was kind of being true to yourself when seeking the opportunity and being honest with yourself. And it sounds, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, it sounds like just use, you were able to take a step back, look and say, it's very clear that that company cares to have a, an appropriately diverse, you pick the most talented individual. They walk the walk. Yeah, but they walk the walk that they talk. So it's really great to hear uh, and, and see that happening. Absolutely. I'll tell you, um, Alex, I, I did, I think, about 2,000 hours of, of um, API and IPI when you combine all the clinical hours I did throughout pharmacy school. And I never once had a Black preceptor. So it was very important to me to to see that representation. And now I excitedly sign up for being a preceptor because I want um, not just other Black students, but people in general, students in general, to see 
the face of pharmacy or the face of a pharmacist as someone that could be a black woman, uh, you know, an Asian American, a Native American, whatever the um, the ethnicity. It should there shouldn't be just a, a stereotypical view of what the pharmacist could look like, especially in the industry space. So it's very exciting to be a part of the change that I wanted to see. It's so important to pay it forward. You know, it's one of my core values. You know, I had so many people who helped pave the way for me. And I think it's, you know, we all have an obligation if we reach any sort of level of success in this industry to pay it forward, you know, for the next generation. And I, I wonder if you might want to pay it forward to some of the candidates who are applying to uh, positions now. You, you had the opportunity, I'm assuming, to interview candidates last year um, through the crazy virtual interview cycle that we went through due to the pandemic. So I wonder... What did you see um, last year uh, from the other side of the table when you were interviewing fellows and what tips might you have for folks who are going through the process this year? Yes. So I, I think one of the, the important tips I really want um, to give candidates is to be sincere. Like you really have to be yourself. Do not go with the scripted answers or things that you you think sound really good and impressive. I I would say 80% of the candidates I interviewed last year had the same answer about what one of their greatest weaknesses is. And they all spoke about imposter syndrome. And while that is <clears throat> a real concern and perhaps a real um, sincere feeling, I feel like there is there are other ways to to describe that sentiment that you're trying to share um, rather than just going with what you think are buzzwords. And I, I, I really caution students um, from using just the buzzwords or, or things that they think sound great, like what they think they, um, the interviewer wants to hear. So be sincere. I think sincerity comes across. I, 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 I could tell sometimes when a student's storyline, like it felt like a story. I could follow, you know, their rationale of this is what I want to do. This is what I went through. And this is why it's still so important to me. And this fellowship aligns with that in this way. And you could follow and really sincerely believe that person. And, and they were memorable because of that. So I think just being yourself is, it's probably very cliche to hear it, but it's one of the most important things. And in the virtual setting, you really want to come across not too stoic, not too rehearsed, because we have no other um, insight into your personality, into how you socialize at the receptions and all these other pieces that used to be a part of the evaluation in the in-person setting. So you really want to just be relaxed, be yourself and, and share your story. Because everyone has an important and valuable story to share. I think that's such great advice, like not conforming to, you know, anybody's idea or preconceived notion about what a candidate is supposed to look like. I, I, I raised my hand here. You can't see this on the podcast. I raised my hand because this is, by the way, the second guest in a row who made that statement. And I couldn't agree more. But I'll say what I said last time. It's very difficult because the thought of being rejected for yourself, for being you, is very difficult to accept. I have trouble accepting that, but I've also accepted it because I know that every role I apply for, I'm not the right fit and that's okay, but it's taken me a long time to get there. So I do understand when people say, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be what I think the interviewer is looking for, but in the end... Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I will say I, I've always been the happiest in roles where I felt like I could be my authentic self and like let my personality 
shine through. Um, and, and I, I mean, I remember back to when I was applying for fellowships and I was at mid-year and all that. And I definitely tried to conform to the notion of what a candidate should be. Um, of course, ironically, the, the fellowship position that I took was with a company that I had a rotation with. And of course, they knew me the best. Um, they had direct personal experience. And they with still me. wanted you. They still wanted me. Which <laughs> okay, really okay. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah and and I, I joke, but it's, it's, uh, it's a hard concept. So I, I completely understand when people say it because clearly a few, uh, Sergio and I both spoke to it. We both went through it. Um, but being authentic is really important because you'll ultimately have to figure out how you fit with the company. Um, but I want to, I want to bring one question back here and we're all over the place this time, but I think it's importantly because it's, it's, it's great to hear your story. Uh, I'd like to ask about your fellowship itself because I read the title of your fellowship and I'm going to read it again. Let's see. Worldwide scientific content and U.S. market capabilities, and I feel like I have a strong grasp on the different functions within industry, and I am still a bit perplexed by the title of your fellowship because, in my <laughs> mind, that could be a number of things. Um, so, how did you go about really understanding, sorting through all the fellowship opportunities, and really understanding which one's right for you, particularly your own fellowship, because the title to me is very confusing. Yeah, it is a mouthful. <laughs> but um, I think for me, in terms of like stepping back a little bit, sorting through the fellowships and deciding what would be a good fit, I wanted I wanted a fellowship. I knew I wanted something that would tap into some of my skill sets. So having a communications background, that was the work I did with the UN. I was a communications officer. I wanted to tap into something that had communications as a, a part of the um, component. So I could bring that to the, um, to the table as something I bring to you. And then I really was interested in something that touched on access. So access, patients' access to medications. So if you look at the title, it talks about the medical capabilities. And, <clears throat> and part of the work that I did was in the access scientific content. So access um, scientific content, th this was where I was working on submissions to NCCN so that different medications, for example, that may not be on label but are recommended by the NCCN, a patient could get that covered by their insurance based on the NCCN recommendation. So being able to actually help create more options for patients, for medications and for different cancers especially was important. So um, the title does not say, but my role is in the oncology space. Oncology hits close to home for several personal reasons. So I also, the therapeutic era was something I thought about. So it checked the box for the access. It checked the box for the communications, but there was a skill set that I wanted to gain. And the HEOR component was that skill set. I didn't have any experience in HEOR research prior to fellowship. I didn't do any, besides our pharmacy or pharmacoeconomic class, I didn't have any background in pharmacoeconomics, but it was an area that I knew was important as you think about patient access. So I wanted to get some experience in that. So that was the driving force or, or for me to apply to this particular position, being able to bring certain um, skill sets to the table that align well with my experience, but also to gain some new ones. So I hope that answers the question for you. Uh, it, it definitely does, but it also uh, kind of begets another question, which is as you're as you were going through the process and reviewing all of the brochures and 
if Rutgers alone has so many you can review, and then you move around and look at all the different fellowships and really understanding what you're going to experience, how did you go about asking questions, formulating questions to understand what you, to, to try and understand, because I don't think you can ever actually understand, but to try and get to what you would actually be doing based on the description within the brochure? The most important piece was the outreach to people who were in the um, positions or in similar positions. That's where I really started to hit on understanding what these, uh, what the position really, what they did. Because I'll be the first to admit, I find the brochure descriptions very, um, very hard to to understand tangible deliverables like this is what I'll be doing I for example in my role I thought I would be doing more medical writing but I quickly realized that in pharma especially bigger pharmaceutical companies like BMS a lot of the medical writing is outsourced so I haven't done much writing but hey this is something that I learned or realized in the fellowship would it have been a deal breaker I don't think so but you know this is something I didn't know going in so I think those are some of the questions that um, you can ask too when you do have these one-on-ones or meetings with um, fellows just what do you do like what are some of your actual tasks the thing that I like the most you know in listening to you know your answer about your fellowship and was how you were deliberate in seeking this out through the mid-year process and I would encourage candidates to be deliberate about it I know most folks are worried about will the company like me will I get an offer but put yourself in the driver's seat go out there and seek out that company that's the right fit for you that the right preceptor for you you know the right uh, fellowship description for you um, put yourself in the driver's seat Absolutely. Well, Ornisha, we are out of time here. It's been really enjoyable having you on here. It, you you gave some really sound advice around how to approach, how to evaluate the fellowship process, which, which position is maybe right for a particular individual. And I hope that listeners uh, take some time to, to think through your responses because they were particularly well thought out. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. It has been my absolute pleasure. And I could not end this without saying a huge thank you to IPHO. Um, It's just amazing the work that the IPHO team does. And I'm incredibly um, grateful that you guys exist because (laughs) this is the central place for all things fellowship. If you need advice or just figuring out where to go to navigate the process, this is a great starting point. So thank you both for your your, experience. contribution to the future fellows of the pharmaceutical industry. (laughs) Thanks, Arnisha. Thank you. And now a message from a sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the Thomas J. Long School of Pharmacy's Fellowship in Industry Program, which aims to provide exceptional biopharmaceutical industry training for PharmD graduates with an interest in clinical research and innovation. The goal of the program is to prepare fellows for a career in the pharmaceutical industry by focusing on developing technical, leadership, and communication skills. The fellowship will also concentrate on cultivating the fellows' clinical skills while honing their expertise in their areas of interest. Check out more information about their fellowship opportunities in the link in the description. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for this episode. We appreciate you spending your time with us. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and give us a rating. You can also visit us on the IPHO website to provide feedback and learn how to get involved. Please do it because we need your help. Until next time, take care and stay safe.